Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Our guest this week is a two-time Tony Award winner for her brilliant performances as Carlotta in The Phantom of the Opera and as Duchess Estonia Dulworth in Nice Work If You Can Get It. Her unforgettable voice has been heard in such musicals as Ragtime, Mamma Mia, Sweeney Todd, and just about every great musical comedy heroine you can name. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Comden and Green, David James Carroll, Madeline Kahn, and George Hearn, here's the foremost interpreter of Mooney Shapiro's music, <laughs> Judy Kay. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Judy. I'm so glad you appreciate Mooney. <laughs> no, I am, I am fascinated by this show. So can you, now you played what, 19 roles, I believe? I actually, I had the fewest number of costume changes and I had like 90. So I guess maybe that was it, 19 characters. I've never counted all of them up, but I did count up the costume changes. I don't know why. Really? I mean, some of them were like just pulling, you know, take, changing a, something small and then turn running right back out on the <laughs> but, stage. But, but still, that's that's pretty yeah. impressive. Well, tell us a little bit about this show because most people aren't familiar with it. Well, let's see. It was a book show uh-huh. written in the form of uh, and then I wrote and and then I wrote Got review yeah. like uh, side by side by son. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Amos Haven or yeah. Right, but yeah. it was about a fictional uh, composer and his life and times which uh, through that illuminated probably let's see maybe five six decades of human history oh my gosh um <laughs> it was a really wonderful wonderful show it had been called songbook in london uh-huh. um and it was oh, we had a we had a blast and we were the last show to play the morasco we i mean i had the <gasps> oh, foolish really? feeling that wow. maybe i could save that theater from the wrecking ball but oh. of course i couldn't i still have an armrest <laughs> they gave me Really? Yeah. And did you know that that production would be the last one uh, we, when you're we going into knew. it? We yeah. kind of knew. Uh, and maybe that colored everyone's opinions. Mm-hmm. And right up the street, there was a show called Day on Hollywood Night in the Ukraine, mm-hmm. which was not totally dissimilar, but it was. I mean, in, in feel it was, but it was, it got blessed and we got damned. And did you feel it was like, really too bad. even in rehearsals, did you feel like, could you feel like it? I don't want to say sinking ship, but did you no, feel like it was? No, never felt like a sinking ship. Good, good. It wasn't an easy birthing, um, uh-huh. but it was It was wonderful because they were still, the writers were there. They were still working on it, and uh, and and we were we had this great company. I mean, maybe you know, it was Jeff Goldblum, yeah, right? Yeah. Gary uh, Beach. Tim, yes, Tim Jerome and uh, Annie um, Okay, I'm gonna have um, McGreevy. Uh, she's yeah. my next door neighbor. She, oh lives, she lives <laughs> yeah. at the Versailles. Yeah. Okay, so Annie McGreevy. Huh. I'm uh, I'm I'm losing it. Anyway, um, yeah, it was great. It was a wonderful score that was so evocative of some of the most. I mean, at some of the most in jokes. If you were at all up on your Tin Pan Alley yep. oh, that's and amazing. musical theater uh, history, it was. Really, really marvelous. It had so many in jokes in it. I, 
I wish someone would dig it up. I wish we could see it. Yeah, I wish we could yeah, hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Know? I mean, it's the kind of thing that we really should do in Mufti over yes. at the York. Oh, that fun. would be a very good idea to do that. Uh, hear that, Jim Morgan? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it had, uh, don't play that love song anymore, Sam. Da 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 dee 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 dee. Well, it, that melody kept coming up throughout. Uh, Mooney kept trying to sell this song, and finally, finally, in the end, uh, someone, his his ex, finally sings it. Uh, it becomes this wonderful ballad. But it but it 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 was like that 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 yeah. you know what kind of a kind of a crazy sort of a song every time he would play he would play music for some uh, producer it would always that song would always come up and that would be the one they would always reject it and finally it anyway that's it's hysterical very, it's very it involved sounds like it's, but it's funny yeah it, it was like it's very, very funny. funny it was very touching yeah it uh i mean and it, and it covered some really uh tough subjects you know yeah. uh, from anti-semitism to uh, race relations to oh lots lots of stuff in there and it but it did it so cleverly I would love to see it. Yeah. Unfortunately, one performance. One performance. Right? Yeah. One performance. Yeah. We we deserve Gosh. so much better than that. Yeah, you yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't know. I think I think I tend to think sometimes a couple of times in my life I've been a part of what turned out to be write-offs for producers as opposed to Yep. And maybe I'm being cynical, but mm. well, hard not to be sometimes. No, but besides that one, which else do you feel didn't get its total oh, due? Oh, brother, certainly didn't. Yeah. Get the run it deserved. It that was same hysterical. Year. Yeah. Same it year, was, right? A couple of months later. I guess it was. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, lucky I didn't slip my wrist. Well, <laughs> I'm sure anybody 81 wasn't the way. best year, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I, it so, had its moments. So wait, now, Oh Brother didn't work because I've always heard that it's because the time period, that what was going I'll on. I'll tell you with, what happened. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened. The night we opened out of town at the Kennedy Center. Mm-hmm. That day, Anwar Sadat had been assassinated. Oh. Okay. Our, have you ever seen the poster? It has a, a it has yes. a camel. Yeah. A camel. Uh, it's a cartoon. A camel uh, in full burnous. Yeah. High top sneakers. Oh. And big, big sunglasses yeah. on top of a, a skateboard. Oh. Going through the dunes in the desert, <laughs> and underneath it says musical comedy breaks out in the Middle East. Yeah. So that's. I feel like yeah. that wouldn't do well today after, either. After, no, after that no. event, yeah. nothing was again was ever funny. I'll tell you. Uh, well, certainly about the Middle East. Um, no, no comedy there. Uh, uh-uh. But even after all of that, our biggest, our our biggest audience came from the State Department. They loved coming oh, to see really? the show. They laughed and. But and the critics visibly were seen to be laughing and <laughs> slapping their thighs, having a good time, thing, and then sat down and wrote some of the nastiest notices. But you know who didn't get nasty notices in those reviews was you. You actually got singled out a couple times well, by, by Frank Rich specifically. Oh, Frank he, Rich, he really oh. uh, he who you never know why. Yeah. I, we yeah. were all. It was a, another great cast. He we talked about David James Carroll. He yeah. was in that. Oh. He was brilliant. We were really Mary really Mastrantonio. good friends. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, yeah. Allison Reed, oh, Alan group. Weeks. Um, yeah. Oh, it goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. was uh, that Harry Groner? Oh, he's mm-hmm. he's so good. Yeah. Now, was this? How did you feel it was working in the rehearsal room? In the rehearsal room, was get, working like well, gangbusters. They had they had to fix some things because, yeah. and it was up to Mary Elizabeth and Allison and I to get them to change some things. There was a moment at which the men were singing. Uh, 
some kind of revolutionary sign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this would the look go on over, your face is. And, and at, the, at the ultimate moment in the number, all the men in the cast shot off M16. No, no. Yes. No. Yeah. Are yeah. you serious? Kind of like half loads on these, on these, like they weren't Uzis, but they could have been. But, they yeah. were, they were, they were automatic weapons. It's and terrifying. It, and, and, uh, we went to the, we went to the director Mary Elizabeth and, and uh, Allison and I and said, you know, even from here, from this vantage point, I can tell you that that's, that's a bad idea. And they had, he had the th- us three girls singing a song about how it was a man's world. It's a man's world. You know, people are being so lousy to the women. It's a man's world. And I said, give this song to the men. We have something else we yeah. want to sing. And so he went home that night. And with Michael Valenti, who was still a very dear friend, this was oh. uh, Donald Driver and Michael Valenti, yep. and they wrote uh, he wrote a song called uh, uh, Let's see, uh, I got to sing the song in order to do it. Da, da, da. What do you sing when you're feeling bad? Just been dumped, just been had. Oh. What do you sing when they don't want sad? Oh. You sing a loud and funny song. <laughs> Rhyme scheme. Wow. That's good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. It's a great song. I yeah. do it in my act sometimes. Oh, oh do you really? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but the three, it was a trio, and when we had this tight harmony, and it was, yeah. it was very funny. It was a very, very funny show. One of the big numbers was Bangle Laden OPEC Maiden. <laughs> uh, once again? Bangle Laden OPEC Maiden. Okay. Good. Just rolls off your tongue. You Just rolls off your tongue quite easily. So, and this was comedy of errors, right? It, it was, was comedy of errors set in a country not unlike Iran, going uh-huh. through a revolution. Oh. And I played the daughter of the Ayatollah, who <laughs> heretofore had been been dressed in her Calvin Klein's, you know. And she, it was, it was, it was decreed that all the women had to cover up and get into the burqa. And oh I goodness. spent the evening roaming the stage in a black burqa with a thing like this. Oh my gosh. And at one point, I finally tossed the thing off and say, ah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, edgy. Now it would be impossible. Well, I mean, no, impossible. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, the, when the, when the Arab League already was pissed off. Yeah. They, were, they already were oh, angry. Uh, we hadn't even done anything yet. We they, And they hadn't seen it. They didn't know that it was all, at the end of the day, it was all about brotherhood, yeah, you right. know, and let's be nice to each other. But, that, of course, that doesn't even fly anymore either, does it? So. No, I, I, it's if true. You, if you haven't heard the score, it's on it's on CD, mm-hmm. and it's There's wonderful. A of it. it's, yeah. a, it's a wonderful score. Eye it's, to the World, that, that oh, quartet is so gorgeous. I'm Oh, it's oh, gorgeous, yeah. you might, you gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, so wait a minute. So you, knowing all of this stuff in D.C., it still went into New York even after it Sadat had been assassinated. And yeah. Did you guys feel any trepidation about that? Uh, we probably. I have trepidation. We felt like, well, oh, this is, our days are probably numbered, so let's enjoy it. Yeah. And it was so sad because it was one of these casts where we all just loved each other so <sighs> much. We would have had so much fun running this show. Yeah. That's rare. One of your cast members is David James Carroll, who a lot of younger artists aren't as familiar with as they should be. Uh, Beautiful voice, an amazing Mm. actor. Can you just tell us any memories that you have about working with him or describe his talent for those who are unfamiliar with it? Well, he had one of these beautiful, I don't know, how how would I describe this baritone? It's a (laughs) clean, elegant, got a head a little, little... Metal in it, so it, yes. it cut through. Mm. 
if you want to hear him, I, he he did do uh, the Grand Hotel mm-hmm. recording, didn't he? And, and he did, and mm-hmm. he did chess. chess. So you can hear him, hear that voice. And he... Um, he uh, who, stop yelling! At him. <laughs> we, we should we should tell our listeners very door. quickly that we're at a rehearsal studio yes. and there's acting with a capital A happening and it <laughs> it's all around leads, us and we're looking out on the skyline of New York. It's pretty <laughs> swell. Something non-realism is happening next door. Uh, yeah, actually, this is what you deal with if you're if you're in a studio uh, rehearsing your act for fifty-four below, as yeah. I have many times. Yeah, that'll be going on next to you while you're you know yeah, exactly singing and dancing. So, showbiz, yeah. but Mr. Carroll. Yeah, but Mr. Carroll. Uh, he was so funny too he believed he could get old brother to run he um he had, he 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 was very inventive, and he uh, he started writing uh, ads and and you know commercials and ways ways for them to market us in New York that wow, we could wow. use use these this negative thing that was going out there and and build it into something. And yeah. I, he was right. I mean, if if our producer had had guts, I mean, it it wasn't dangerous for for us to run. It was you know probably had it added a kind of a layer of of, of I don't know, a little patina to the whole affair to know mm-hmm. that things were starting to change rapidly in the Middle East. Yes. Um, on an optimistic note. Yes, please. On an optimistic note. In your Tony Awards speech, you thanked your dad for giving you the gift of Gershwin. Was well, this was this in the house growing up? Was your dad... Oh, we, we loved... My dad... I was my dad's alter ego, I think. Mm. <laughs> he had been a... He was a pediatrician. Uh... Who kind of did stand up with the, with the babies and the you know the mothers and the kids and the, and he had been a singing waiter in the Catskills oh. with his brother Harry Kay the the dentist so wow. it was Harry and Jerry <laughs> Kohansky at that time at, at the the resorts up in the mountains and uh, and as we were growing up I. I'm not sure how I was introduced. Maybe he did introduce me to the Great American Songbook, but uh, there was a, a radio station in Phoenix where I grew up that had a thing called the uh, Teenage Underground, and I've, I was in the in the vanguard of that. Um, I mean, I listened to the Beatles and everything, but I mm. really, really loved the songbook. Great yeah. song, yeah. Yeah. great songs of of you know all those guys from the Tin Pan Alley. Oh. I sometimes think. Where would, where would music be now had George not passed mm. so early? Right. I think about, oh, yeah. I, you know, I think about stuff like that all the time, totally. which is totally wheel spinning. But there it is. And my dad and I used to sing together. And when he had his stroke, um, I was at the hospital with him, and uh, he was doing what they call sundowning. He was flailing. Just started singing, it's only a paper moon sailing over a cardboard sea, and he would sing with me. Uh-huh. So we would do, we mm. we had done that before. We had sung all kinds of songs, mm. and Gershwin right up at the top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. Now, your voice is so incredibly versatile. When you look at all the shows you've done and all the styles you've done, what sort of training did you have growing up? I was in the concert choir and we did all kinds of of classical music and uh and and if they and, and we didn't have any kids of color in our in our high school we had native americans but we mm-hmm. didn't have i don't remember any black kids in my in my choir which more is the pity so when we would do negro spirituals mm-hmm. they would ask me the jewish kid <laughs> which i thought was a natural it's a natural 
uh, I would do I would do all that stuff. And people tell me they would look around for you know the the face, and and I, I guess I I passed. Give it to Judy. Good. Give it yeah. to Judy. Yeah. Uh, that's why I think they asked me to. I did a, I did an Arlen disc, which was mm-hmm. the title of which is the American Negro Squeak. Sweet. I can't even get it out because it's so ridiculous for me to be singing it. It's a wonderful piece of music, the American Negro Suite. And uh, why these people decided I should do it. But, you know, it was very much... Out of the synagogue too. The music sounded um, yeah. so mm-hmm. much like that. So mm-hmm. it was it was kind of in my bones. Maybe it's because that music is all it's always been there. Yeah. All of that music merges, you know. Then I went off to UCLA and I was accepted into the opera workshop, which had a secondary thing, the musical comedy workshop. And so I was studying opera. So you'd explored your upper register and you weren't yeah. just singing belting all the time but you no, were, I, you no, were I, always... I made con- I used to when I when I was even a kid yeah. I would sort of um, hum up and down yeah. the scale and over the what I learned was a yes. passaggio and I would just I sort of developed my own little vocalese yeah. and it turned out to be absolutely the right thing to do and I had never sung high. I'd been in the tenor section in high school, mm-hmm. and then sometimes a, like a second soprano, certainly mm-hmm. an alto. Mm-hmm. When I got to UCLA, they said, oh, you're going to be a lyric soprano now with an extension. So they started wow. vocalizing me much, much higher, right. and uh, that scared the hell out of me. But, uh, but that, then training, one, yeah, yeah, that training yeah. was a good no, foundation. It was a very good yeah. foundation. And then one day my coach, Dr. Uh, Maestro Carta, mm. Maestro Carta, this dear older Italian man who's probably my age now, what I am now, but he, he, I went in for a coaching session with him and he said, Judy, 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 you're not happy. <laughs> I said, it shows. He said, yes, it shows. <laughs> you're not happy. I don't, don't, you should not be doing this. You should go and s- sing what makes you happy. <gasps> So I went, they were, a good I was in yeah. the, I really, and uh, I was in the musical comedy workshop, but they were, it was run by the same woman who was running the opera <laughs> art workshop, and she was, would not let me, they, a, a, a musical was written with a role for me, and she would not let me do it, because I was in the opera workshop, and she was ruling the roost, which is what they did in the opera. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was Still another do. thing, and mm-hmm. I can't do that, so I ran screaming from all of that. What got you your equity card? Well, mm. there was a theater across the street from uh, Disneyland in Anaheim, California, which is now a, a church in the round. There, were, there was a whole spate of these theaters in the round, especially out west. And this one was called Melody Land, and I had auditioned um, there and... Uh, didn't get the job the first time, and the second time was a better thing because I would have it would have been tr- difficult to go to school and uh, do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I uh, I went back and auditioned again and got summer stock, my first job. You were still in college. I was in college. Yeah, yeah, and I. My parents didn't know it at the time, but I was living out of my car for a little while. It was crazy. So, so we could technically say you were homeless. Kind of. <laughs> in, 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 in a, in a, in a glorious way, yeah. Tastefully yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's amazing. What was, was the show? Do you remember the show? First one was Half a Sixpence. And the next one was Camelot with Catherine Grayson. 
the other theater that I worked at when I was in college was is in Sacramento, the mm. Sacramento Music Service. Oh, so yeah. They don't do that anymore either. No, 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 not really. No. no, 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 no. Besides Catherine Grayson, do you remember any of the other legends um, that came? Betsy Palmer did Betsy Palmer. Uh, did uh, 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 South Pacific, and uh, let's see. Well, eventually, you know, I was out on the road with that wasn't a wasn't a star package, but when I did on on the twenty on the twentieth mm-hmm. century on the road, it was opposite uh, Rock Hudson, so that mm. yeah yes and Rock Hudson and Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin was the next tour. Yeah, I met my husband, and where we yeah we became affianced. Yes. Congratulations! How, <laughs> how many years now have you two? We were just talking about it. April will be twenty-nine years. Mazel tov. That's amazing. That's that crazy. Wonderful. It's crazy. That's amazing. So Rock Hudson and Frank Gorshin, yeah. two two we actors that don't you know don't agree. We, we have to ask them a lot. in the same breath. Um, <laughs> what was it? What was it like working with Rock Hudson? <laughs> what a lovely man! What a really wonderful man! Never did anyone work harder. Oh, and and. Uh, and you know, really devote himself to what he was doing. He was really not right for it. Mm, yeah. He didn't have the voice to sing it. I was ask and he kind of much. worked a little too hard. I mean, if he'd relaxed a little bit, it probably would have been totally wonderful. But he 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 had a lot. He he worked with a lot of stress. I think. Mm. While Frank Gorshin, uh, frankly, didn't give a shit. So uh, he. <laughs> not surprised. I mean, I would first. turn to him, and he is. Oscar, where are you? Where's Frank? He had taken a walk, stage left. He was in the dark. He was just changing it up. And for our listeners, Frank Gorshin was known for many years as an impressionist, but people probably remember him more than anything as the Riddler. Yep. on the Batman series, but Very, did he work uh, any of his impressions into the uh, the performance? To give no, he kind of hoped he, he would. <laughs> uh, eventually, at, at the end of the tour, I think he might have done that, but he, he was... He was okay, but he was just what you know. I shouldn't speak ill of the no, all no. any of the long gone folk, but he 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 didn't want to be there. He didn't. I was glad he was because it made sure that there was a tour. Yeah. And yeah. my husband was un- understudying him and went on once for him. Oh, he because he never knew if he was going to show up. A couple of times he came so late, and my husband was in full makeup and ready to go on. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So but. you did the show on Broadway, and we'll get to that obviously. But you decided to do the tour of the show, which yeah. was also that's so amazing. What motivated you to go on the? Well, road? Imogene was going. Tell wonder- us about her because yeah. I, she's so. First of all, she was a pioneer. Mm-hmm. She was a pioneer that I don't think really gets the credit that she deserves. I don't I, think so either. I mean. I think, you know, when you think of 50s TV and you think of Lucille Ball has such a big shadow that you don't really think of, you know, her, or Audrey Meadows mm-hmm. and all of these great female comedians that weren't really getting the appreciation. So I'm going to shut up. Tell me about her, please. Well, she was, the, we would call her the Iron Butterfly. You know, by the time I worked <sighs> with her, she she had been in a pretty devastating car accident and she had vision in one eye and she was an old lady. She was, yeah. she was getting on and she would sort of, you know be very careful walking around backstage she'd hit the stage she'd, the lights would hit her and she would light up like a Christmas tree I mean it was what a great mm. great professional what a just a great artist yeah. funny exacting it looked like it was totally sort of she was making it up as she went along not mm-hmm. so she was the consummate professional wow. and great comic and great truth and sweet so sweet yeah. i loved her 
uh, most people, you know, once again, they probably know her as Anne Edna from mm-hmm. the Vacation movie. But, you know, YouTube, her and Sid Caesar, and look at some of the routines they did on your show of shows. And she is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. How did On the 20th Century come about for you? Uh, I had auditioned for Hal mm. for, uh, let's see, the first time I auditioned for him was when company was going to go on the road and play L.A. They they had lost one company man, member, so they were running auditions in L.A. And none of us had seen the show. We didn't really, I don't even think it was recorded yet. We, yeah. we hadn't heard it. We didn't know anything about it. And I went in and gave what I thought was one of the top three worst auditions of my life. Why? And just because I, because I just really didn't know what, what I was doing. I was pretty young and Mm -hmm. pretty uninformed. So I just Mm -hmm. took a a stab at it and it was, I felt when I finally saw it, it incredibly wrong. Well, it was also a new kind of style as well. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, the next time was when he did Candide. Mm Mm-hmm. On Broadway, yep, and I, he had audi- he, I had auditioned with. Uh, well, I had, did I sing? No, I sang the old lady stuff for uh, for that because that's what I was up for. Uh, and I was offered it to replace twice, and the first time we couldn't come to any kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. And the second, and it was important to me to be able to make a living doing this from the very get go. That it you. was really important that I had to at least break even. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, and it would be just too much of a hardship. So I, it didn't work. And then he asked me again, and I was about to say yes, and the musician strike happened and it closed. So I never Aye. got to do it. Aye. The next time I auditioned for him, I was actually doing Jesus Christ Superstar, which I had done a lot on the road at Paper Mill Playhouse in New Jersey. And uh, while I was out doing that, I had gotten the call to come in to to do uh, uh, Grease on Broadway. And I got a call from Hal's office. Joanna Merlin called to say that he was going to do this show called On the 20th Century. Mm -hmm. Uh, That there was really nothing for me in it, but he wanted to see me. So I went in and sang Glitter and Be Gay. And I got home to the, my little apartment I was subletting and they, the call was there that they wanted me to understudy Madeline. And I was going to go home and, and back to L.A. and vote in my first uh, election the, that I was old enough to vote in at the time. So I, it oh was my. really important to me to do that. Yeah. So I couldn't, I, I said no. I, uh, <laughs> I turned it down. <laughs> I turned it down twice, actually. My agent finally. Twice. Twice. Wow. And they came back, and the third time, someone said to me, Judy, well, I didn't want to be an understudy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I had had, I'd done, I'd understudied in college, and it was a terrible experience. And you were playing all these roles all over the country yeah. that you're yeah. used to, you know. And, yeah. I thought, and I thought, if, I just believed, it, it is, I'll say up front that the, it is the most underrated and difficult job in Agreed. the theater, especially Agreed. if you're swinging more than one role. I don't know how those... Today's National play. Swing Day, too, today. Yeah, mm-hmm. really? They yeah, just they announced just it. Yeah, they just started oh, it to, wow. to celebrate swings because most people don't even know who they are and what they do they and how hard their job is. Tailbone. That's right. Night they after do. night. And um, I, I just thought that if I get known as an understudy, that's what I will be all my life. Yeah. Wow. And I... And I had this feeling that 
to be an understudy is to is to wait for misfortune to strike the person who's playing the role. Nine mm-hmm. times out of ten, they've gotten sick or yeah. hurt or something. Yeah. yeah. In order for me to do my job, and I just I I didn't want I didn't like the office as they say I just didn't want to do it. So the last time it was offered to me, they came back to me, and uh, a friend said, you know, if you turn on the Tonight Show some night, and there's the woman who took this job, mm-hmm. you're gonna just be so pissed at yourself. So mm. I said, okay, as long as I can get out. And because I thought if I'm miserable, if this if this if this job is making me sad, then I have to be able to get out. So I got it out. Six, six months from the first day of rehearsal, I could be out. The wow. Got it. Wow. So I went to work and I showed up the first day of rehearsal like a tourist with a <laughs> camera. And uh, you went my into little, it. My little uh, uh, my little. Uh, what do you call it? But it had it was a reel to reel. It was a little oh, reel to reel, a reel recorded. Wow. Oh my yeah, gosh! Yeah. So I recorded the uh, the first rehearsal with everybody reading the book and the, and Betty and Adolph and Sai. Uh, I don't know where. The, okay, you read my you so look on my face. You just totally saw. I have gone crazy trying to find because that's gold. But yeah, wow, I've got, I will continue to look for. That's incredible. I, I, it's got to be somewhere. I know. I didn't throw it out. Oh, right, Betty and Adolph. Yeah, of course. So, yeah. We'll get a committee together to yeah. help you look. <laughs> My <laughs> goodness, though. But that's, you, you so really. What was, well, I mean, with what was the rehearsal process like? You have all of these legends creating the show. You have all of these legends in the room. What what was this process like? I was a fly like? on the wall. I was really lucky that I was never, except for one day, prevented from being in the room. Because I had a small part. And I was working with Madeline. I played her, uh, her maid, mm-hmm. you know. So when we were certainly working on certain parts of the show, I had to be there to make my little entrance. Sure. And yeah. Out. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it was interesting because people tread very lightly around her. Yeah. She, you know, she was kind of skittish and, and fearful of a lot of things. Yeah. Very, very, very bright, very, very gifted and, and problematic because of all of that. And the you pressure know? that comes with carrying a show as yeah. well, probably yeah, a little she bit, maybe. Yeah, she was scared of all of it. She yeah. was scared of how she was scared of high notes. She was, uh-huh. I don't know what the deal was. Yeah. I mean, so uh, it just was so foreign to me because I, I don't, you know, I don't come from that. That's what yeah. we do, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, if, I, if I screw up, so I screwed up, but I just, I'll give it a shot. You yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it was it was really exciting, you know. I, I wanted to see what a musical was like, a broad, big Broadway musical from its beginnings. Mm. I wanted to be there, and I was there. It was it was really thrilling to uh, to watch the, you know, the choreographer and working with the with the ensemble. Yeah. And I had so little to do that I I went to him one day early on, and I said, because Madeline didn't want to be involved in the numbers that she. They were staging around her. She didn't want to just stand around. Of course not. Why would she? So he said, well, I said, I'm, I'm, I have nothing to do. I'd be glad to come in and you can stage around me. It'll give me a chance to learn yeah. what I have to learn. Totally. And, you know, next thing I knew, I was performing those numbers for her so she could see what they had staged. That, oh. was, that was a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? yeah. And I didn't know that was going to happen. I never. It didn't even occur to me. But The day that you go on for her for the first time can you walk us through the day yeah oh <laughs> yeah no, please I, I told this story so mm-hmm. it's not new to me um well I, I had bought a gift for her up in boston it was a, a an etching 
little antique etching that looked like uh, Victory leading the troops. You know, mm -hmm. like, it looked like Veronique as well. Mm -hmm. So I was having it framed, mm -hmm. and I had done one run, run through. The only rehearsal I'd actually done in the role was we got back from Boston, and they wanted to do, Hal wanted to do a run through <coughs> on chairs at a rehearsal room waiting. They were waiting for the sets to get yep. into, in, into town and the theater to be ready for us. And Madeline didn't come that day. And Hal suddenly turned to me and said, do you want to do it? I said, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what it'll be like, but yeah. Yeah. So between scenes, Kevin Klein would run me out in the hallway and he would yep. go over stuff with me because it was important for him yeah. to have somebody to work with. So we did that. And I had been keeping up. Uh, George Leanders and I had been keeping up. He was covering John Cullum and we were both up on the script to that day. We, it was very, we, you know, it was fun for us and it was important for the show, we felt. Mm -hmm. Usually they don't rehearse any of the understudies nope. until yeah. the show is over. Never in my experience, yeah. So, um, so uh, we did this run through on chairs and afterward, Hal ignored me and I finally went up. I said, Hal, Hal you have some notes for me? Can you like give me some notes? And he was like ignoring me because I wasn't reality to him. So it was very hard for him. Finally, he said, all right, lose weight. That's the first thing. They always tell me to lose weight. And start watching uh, old movies, and I suggest you look at, uh, uh, Lump not Lombard, uh, Harlow, Jean Harlow, because uh, you're a little tougher. You're a little more like her. So I said, okay. Mm. So I had been watching old movies. In the morning of that day, I had actually been watching a Carol Lombard movie because I loved Carol Lombard. Uh, and then I went off. I went to pick up this gift from Madeline, and then I went to the to uh, the gym. At that time, it was obviously before cell phones. Yeah. And I did my workout, and I was... I knew I was supposed to call my service to find out what, you know, what my status was that night. Um, but there was this long line of... So soaking wet women with towels wrapped around them, waiting for the payphone and the and the uh, yeah. you know, the change room. So I thought, oh, screw it. So I I showered, I got myself together, and I stopped. There was this little Belgian restaurant on Forty Fourth Street that I used to stop at. It was sort of right between the gym and the theater. And I had a little piece of fish, and I even had a little glass of white wine, mm. salad. And I got to the stage door, and my watch was off. And the entire cast was waiting for me in the vestibule of the, of the backstage, and they all yelled, "You're going!" <laughs> oh, gosh. And I believe my my. You may have to bleep this. Do you bleep things? Oh no, no we can. Uh, you can no, you anything you can say, yeah. What I said was no shit. So, uh, I was taken upstairs to Maddie's uh, dressing room, and they started throwing the clothes on me. Wow. I had the presence of mind in Boston to ask them if I could buy myself a pair of all-purpose shoes that I could wear if I had to go on. Yeah. I needed something that would fit that weren't Agnes's mm -hmm. shoes. They mm -hmm. had to be different. So, I had the shoes, and. Uh, they threw the wigs on me, and uh, I didn't have a pair of eyelashes because Agnes didn't need eyelashes. So uh, Imogene came upstairs and gave me a pair of eyelashes. <laughs> oh. 
and I went on in this blur and all the things that I had sort of been thinking about in my dressing room three, four floors. Yeah, that, every time you heard it. Uh, yeah. I think, mm, what did I do it that way? I went on and did it and it worked. Your way, yeah. Anyway, Your well, way. I mean, it was the only way I could do it. Exactly. That's what I knew was what came out of my mouth naturally. And uh, by chance, because I was late and because I hadn't gotten any of the messages going, where the hell are you, where the hell are you going on tonight? Uh, I didn't have a time to be nervous. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it all day. Just... But everybody but Hal was able to be there. And Hal's uh, film of night music was premiering that. <laughs> so he couldn't be there. But Betty and Adolf and Cy, they were all standing oh. watching the show. And uh, at the bows, they brought me two dozen long stem yellow roses. And... Oh. Wow. Oh. Wow. And nine more times, I went on for her. And in, in a row? Uh, or did she come back like the next? Time, and then another three, and another three. Was she um, ill, or was she just not she was, not emotionally just, ready? I don't know. I think well, I think it was it was very exhausting for her. Mm. It's a it mammoth was, role. I mean, it's a mammoth regardless. role, yeah. yeah. And it had been, and you'd opened at this point, or had, oh, yeah, had we you been, running. yeah. Mm-hmm. We were running. She gave a brilliant opening night performance and then said that how, that actually, that Sai uh, had told her that it was okay. She never had to sing the show as written again. She did what she took out, oh. basically all the high notes. Oh. That weren't that high. Yeah. Um, Wow. It was it was it bizarre. was bizarre, bizarre. bizarre and sad because we got to the point where she would neither share the stage nor take it. Mm. Oh, so totally. In the middle of the show was this like vacuum. You know? Yeah, it's a big role to hold her. If she had if she had been okay doing it, if she'd felt all right about it, yeah, she would have been unbelievably yeah. brilliant in the part. You can you can imagine she could have. Oh, she. You know, chewed it up and spit it out mm-hmm. 12 times over, but it was, it just scared her too much. Anyway, I went on nine times, and yeah. I think it was April 15th, actually. The first time I went on was like March 6th. Mm-hmm. And the next, and I took over like April 15th, something like that. Wow. I'd have to check those dates, but. Uh, and and I, I, I went, was at my agent's office, and I thought by that time we were going to wind up doing the matinees. Ah, there was, got it. Just about to be precedent for that, but uh, I, th- I thought that might be what happened, but that's not what happened. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I had heard that they were trying to get you to be nominated for a Tony Award that season, as opposed to her. Yeah. That's... Well, there was... 
you see, um, in a, a company, um, Dean Jones. Kurt, yep. yeah, yeah, Dean Jones had opened it and yeah. left early on, mm -hmm. and Larry Kurt was nominated. Right. For it. Yeah. So there was precedent mm -hmm. for that, but it did not make the committee happy. Mm. So for whatever reason, they decided that would not okay. occur. So. I got to do a number at the Tonys and oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> I was not allowed to be nominated and you stay you stayed with the role for so many years after the Broadway production it's it's amazing if you had turned it down but yeah you, you stuck to your guns and you got a lot of good things out of it yeah, so good amazing. for you it was amazing it was amazing um, <laughs> now obviously Hal Prince remembers you because a few years later you're doing Phantom right. Had you seen it in London before it came over to the United well, States? Well, I auditioned and uh, he asked me to do it, and then I went over and saw it. And what was the role like when you saw it in London? Did, did was it the same that well, that you inhabited? You know, I, as I had said to him, <clears throat> I think to me when I see it, she is something of a foil. Mm. She's she is who she is. She's mm -hmm. this uh, very self-possessed diva. Of course. Yes. They all, yes. They all <laughs> Capital D. Yeah. And, but there is humor in that. Uh -huh. and, and I feel like because the Phantom, there's so much romance and mm. scariness and all of this stuff. And wouldn't it be good to have sort of an I made a fist kind of a moment in this thing that, that she she offers a little relief from all of that. Yes. I mean, she's comical in her in her way. She's she has so much self-confidence. That's right. She's, she's, uh, it's, it's funny. That's very astute. Now, Hal wasn't completely in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> but I said, you may, you know, especially after I saw it, I said, you may have to throw a net over me, you know, because I, I, just, I just feel like it's impossible to do her without getting a chuckle or three. Uh-huh. And it worked. I mean... <laughs> Got you a Tony Award, so something was working. Something. Yeah. This might be a really stupid question, but what makes him such a good director? I mean, we I mean, we in the audience can see the brilliance, but we're not there for the process. So what what about it? Well, you know what? You you wouldn't call him an actor's director. He doesn't come in with he doesn't really understand an actor's process, but what he knows is that what he wants to see, the totality. Mm -hmm. And and you come in with an idea, he works with it. If he doesn't like it, he tells you. Mm. I, I really kind of like the working this way. Not, it, I like to work all kinds of ways, but this this way's fine with me. Um, I'm an actor who doesn't even mind having a line reading given to me. That doesn't bother me. Mm. It isn't going to sound like that when it comes out of my mouth anyway. So, yeah. but then I know what the director what wants. They want. But he he doesn't do that. He really lets the actor kind of do it themselves. I remember going back to 20th century, the first day that we were on this mock-up set. There was a, a, a plywood train in this very large rehearsal room. And it was time for Kevin Klein to make his first entrance as Big Boo Boo. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, if you, if you don't know the show, he's... Little Lulu, his, you know, Lily, Lily Garland, the fabulous star of stage and screen, is traveling on the 20th Century Limited Chicago to New York, and she thinks she's by herself with her maid on the mm -hmm. train. And suddenly the door flies open on her car, and there's her boyfriend, who she was thinking about losing anyway. Mm -hmm. 
you know, Bruce Granite. So he makes that first entrance, and he had filled his pocket with uh, confetti. <laughs> I'm sitting actually out. I wasn't even, I'd already made done my little scene with Madeline and the shoes and the whole thing, and I was gone. So I'd sat down, chair kind of in the same row with Hal. And he walks in and he throws all of his confetti up in the air, and I look over at Hal, and Hal, you could just see him lean back and like a Cheshire cat grin on his face. Like, look what I look what I hired. I knew he'd be great. Boy, am I going to have fun with this! And oh. for sure, he let he let Kevin just go wild. Wow. And, and and really, he staged all of those scenes. It was all built around his physicality, you know. And if you saw the most recent revival. That is an evocation of, and a very nice one, but an evocation of what Kevin had done. He mm-hmm. turned himself inside out. That's what Incredible. I hear. I hear that it was a it performance was to behold. Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing that Hal instills and encourages, and uh, and it's and it's great fun to work with him. Yeah. But a safe environment, at least for the actors to try so. to try I, things. Yeah, I felt so. He can also, I mean, in those days, he could get kind of edgy with people. Mm. If he if he felt that he needed had to have the last word, he might um, he might get a little edgy. But that was okay. I can I can deal with that. You can deal with that. I can deal with that. Oh yeah. You've dealt with much. How better. many shows have you done with him? Would you say? Well, including um, Paradise. Well, yes. Which is more recent. That was just a couple years ago, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Three? Yeah, on the 20th century, Phantom and Paradise Found. That's incredible. That's not bad at all. Every 20 years or so. Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Um, ragtime. Were you involved with Ragtime from the beginning? Uh, pretty much. Um, they had done a reading without me, but I did the, the staged reading up in Toronto. We had set pieces mm-hmm. and uh, costume pieces. and It was a lot closer to what the show became. It was a kind of a crazy thing because I was, uh, I was, I was asked to do, I was invited and then disinvited to do the Broadway company. But then I was oh. invited to do the, this L.A. company, which was very unusual. They hadn't opened in New York yet, but they were opening an L.A. company. Huh. Disinvi- uh, what were they looking for? Well, uh, uh, Emma Mark, Goldman Mark herself, Drabinsky, hopefully. Would- oh, but there's Mark a lot. Oh. Yeah. Uh, wanted me, and he called and offered me the role. And then a couple of days later, he called up and said, I made a mistake. I've been overruled by my creative team. They don't think you're right for it, so I'm sorry. So... <laughs> Then I said, oh, okay, we'll have a great time with the show. It's brilliant. I, I can't wait to see it. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then I get a call from him. We're, we're doing it in L.A. I want you to do it. And I, and I said, okay. So I went out to do it in L.A. and had a marvelous time. And Stokes, they were running by now in Toronto. Stokes left that production. Uh-huh. They did it with us in L.A. And, and LaShawns was playing uh, Sarah. And opening night in L.A., I was asked to open it in New York. So oh, Wow. it's a good opening night present. Did you know how special of a show you had in the rehearsal yes. room? I was the cheerleader, you know. And, mm. and it, was so, it was so difficult because every time Emma Goldman entered, it was always after a hugely emotional moment. Mm-hmm. And I was, 
especially during the, the stage reading, I was, because it was wide open, mm. and I was sort of working myself up into a frenzy to come out and be a firebrand, and I was crying. Oh, gosh. Because the immigrants had just entered, and it was beautiful. <laughs> it was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, this was how the wheels of a dream was happening. Yeah. It was so gorgeous, and then the I had to come out and scream, and it was, that was very hard for me, because I was, I, I am a wuss, actually. I'm a pushover. Did the role of Emma Goldman change a lot as you went from Canada to L.A. to New York? Did or are you pretty much? It was pretty well locked in. I yeah, think. Mm-hmm. you know because what we called ourselves the hysterical characters, the historical. <laughs> <laughs> we were we were. You can't say we were furniture, but we certainly would help set the mood of all of those. I mean, I think Emma. Emma became sort of a heartbeat of that show in a way. It, I don't think it was planned that way, but I think that was the way Dr. O wrote the book. Too, yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Although in Dr. O's book, Emma Goldman figures a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that would have been confusing. I think it was a really good idea the way the historical characters were used. Totally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. And that's the brilliance of the show, and it is yeah. a brilliantly constructed oh. show. So in between, or after ragtime, I should say, you go to Mamma Mia for a bit. Mm-hmm. Several years. Versatility. Of- well, I, I, that was, yeah. a, you know, I'm fascinated with the fact that in this late 70s, early 80s, musical comedy was kind of, I don't want to say on its way out at the time, but it wasn't as popular as the Euro musicals. Did you make a conscious decision to embrace the Euro musical? Because you're a musical comedy gal. And, no, and, no, in fact, and yet you were in Mamma Mia and I Phantom of the Opera. I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say this probably in a, in a forum where people can quote me, but... Um, I love going to the theater in London. I just love them. Mm-hmm. I don't think, for the most part, they get musicals because mm. their tradition is uh, is very um, presentational mm-hmm. in the pantos. Mm-hmm. It's a it's what they do in a drama, in a straight play, a comedy, even a drama. They don't translate into a musical form. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So that. When I see an American musical over there, though I ad- admire it, and I think the people are, you know, one, I've become very friendly with so much of so many of the folks over there. I have to say, I think we—it's our form. We do it better. We invented it. Yeah, we invented it's it. true. So when I, I went to see again, that was Hofford Mamma Mia, and I was going to turn it down. <laughs> and, and my and a friend of mine of a certain age said, "You idiot." You know, this is a huge hit. You've got to do this show. You've yeah. got to do it. And you know, ultimately, we called it the uh, the menopausal cash cow. You know, for women well. of a certain age to do these roles. And I went to London. And I saw it, and everybody was going crazy around yeah. me. And I didn't get it. I just didn't get why they were loving it so much. I mean, that's like biting the hand that feeds me. But that's kind of how I felt. Of course, once I got into it and did it, it was just fun. One of the, one of the I've never been in as good a shape as I was doing it. Oh, I bet. Well, you worked your butt off the oh, whole time, and you're with this younger generation yeah, of young people. And I, and I love that. I love that I, I get Excuse to keep doing these. Okay, I love that I get to keep doing these shows with these young folks, and uh, it's it's what's really it, terrific. What's it like to play to an audience 
like Mamma Mia, where they're so exuberant and they're so excited and they're so enthused. I mean, it's, it, I'm assuming different than when you're doing, you know, souvenir or when you're doing, <laughs> yes. you know, yes. something well, a little bit more. They let you know right away whether they're, they approve. It's almost like children's theater, you know. Um, <laughs> they're very, it, it's, it's really exciting to get that much feedback right away and to see how much fun they're having. It's infectious. And for us in the, in the New York company, it was quite emotional because we were the first show that opened after 9-11. We sort of became known as the lords of Broadway. People would come to be healed at Mamma Mia. And this hmm. kind of went on. Uh, I mean, I had friends who had had devastating things happen in their life, and they and they would ask me if they could get out seats just so they could come and yeah. feel better. So wow. Mamma Mia, you know, maybe we're not curing cancer, but maybe we are. I don't know. We're, we certainly are helping people heal when we do these wonderful kind of marvelous over-the-top things. I think even the ones that aren't like that, Phantom is like that. I mean, I made the mistake once in L.A. when I was out there. The woman had seen the show, I don't know, 50, 60 times. Oh, my gosh. And I thought, well, I have to find out why and how. How is she going to afford to do this and why she does it? Isn't there something else she wants to be doing in her life? <laughs> and she said, I mean, well, yeah, you, it's, it's funny until you ask the question. She says, well, my... My husband is, is, is very ill and has been for a number of years, and this is the only fun I have. This is what I do. Wow. So. Is there one that got away from you that you go, oh, uh, boy, I wish. Well, I had, a, I had a list, you know, going forward and when I was a kid. Yeah. Stallion Follies was a surprise. Yeah. Because I thought no one would ever ask me to do either of those roles. Huh. Really? That's yeah. surprising to me. Because I wasn't a long, angular... I mean, inside I'm long and angular. Yeah. Outside I'm not. So... You know, your your physiognomy plays into what you are going to be cast in. True, sure. It was True. considered well against type that I was hired to do Sally. It was one of the greatest highs of my life wow. to play that role. And where did you play it again? I did it in Houston. And mm -hmm. Excellent. Wonderful production. What about plays? They hardly ever think of me for that stuff. Even Except after... out and about, you know, like ACT and San Francisco. Yeah. Wonderful out there and they they think of me in that that way you know but it, like in britain actors are actors it's funny yeah you can go between uh, and betwixt the between it, it's very storytellers hard. that's it yeah, yeah it's yeah. very hard in this country even after still. souvenir and you were nominated for actors in a play i mean yeah. that <laughs> yeah. you would think that uh, actually won in la for the ovation oh good congratulations I, so that, that I, sort of yes Yes. But a lot of people think of that as a musical. Didn't well, you because you sang and didn't you... you do an album. Oh, so yeah, yeah. What the hell would I sing, people? I mean, I don't sing the... Except for the Ave, that's, I don't sing the entirety of anything. That's right. That's show. right. Until the very end when you do sing oh. it. And for our listeners, that the souvenir is about Florence Foster Jenkins, who is uh, an infamous singer, you might say. Famous for the fact she that, really could not sing. But believed in her head that she was a fantastic singer. Tours that's right. right. That's right. And would you know, sell out Carnegie Hall. Um, so people could, some say, laugh in the in the aisles at her, but she really saw it another way. And um, was was the play written for you, no. or did you? Mm -mm. Okay. No, it fits so naturally. Yeah, it it was perfect. Uh, by the time uh, I and I auditioned, I was asked to audition for it. Wow, because they weren't sure. Uh, Vivian Madelon, uh, our director, Stephen Temperley, the playwright. <clears throat> right. mm -hmm. um, 
Jack Lee. Who's was my first mentor when I came to New York. Jack? Yeah. Okay, so Jack Lee was the... Uh, He's Cosmo. He played Cosme McMoon mm-hmm. off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. And he was also sort of musical directing this. Sure. You know, sort of figuring it out. And so he asked me to... He said, I'll play the Ave in this key, and you pick any key you want. <laughs> and they wanted to know if I could I could do something like that. And I could, of course. Of course. <laughs> any singer worth their salt practices, you know, plays around being terribly bad. Why not? We do it. We love it. So um, that's amazing. The, the trick, of course, is doing it for two hours and and a healthy yeah. and singing bad in, in a, a healthy, healthy way, way. Healthy way, which you must really have important, explored. Really important. But you know, pitch is made in the brain. It's not made down here. You right. can make some awful sounds and do it pretty healthfully. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, you got to sing as well as you that's possibly right. can. Mm. It's really important that it be that's absolutely right. beautiful. Yeah. Crazy! What a great. Do you have experience. your uh, names? Yeah. Really quickly, and then we'll. I must. I'll play a little word associate. You, whatever comes to your mind, whatever you want to talk about. Sue Grafton. Sue Grafton is a great lady and a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, author, and uh, and a great script writer because her books. I I, I record her uh, alphabet mysteries. Mm-hmm. They're written for an actor to read. Oh yeah. So much fun to do, and I look forward to every two years. I'll get to do it twice more. She may write some more of them, but right. not, they're just not going to be alphabetized. Yeah. Like but uh, and you did all of them. I mean, all that's really cool. Really cool. Uh, just tell me what you want. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was fun. Uh, that was as we were closing on Broadway and on the 20th century. I mm-hmm. was hired uh, to to play Alan King's daughter in that movie and. Uh, I would get up at the crack of dawn, they'd pick me up to go to the set, and then after that I, they'd run me to the St. James Theater and I would do a performance. It was great. That's wild. <laughs> I was never so, I'm never so alive. Really? <laughs> like I am right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was exhausted, but I was, it was thrilling. Oh, I love it. Magdalena? Magdalena. Yes. Yeah, uh, really, really beautiful piece. It's I tried a... to get... Opera companies and somebody needs to stage this thing. It is so beautiful. By uh, Hector Villalobos yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and uh, Robert Wright. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did not do adaptations. They wrote it with him. Oh, it's it's pretty doggone special. Oh, that's have that's. You, have you heard it? I have. Yeah, I, I have the CD. Yeah. It's and it's stunning. Did, we did it live. Kevin Gray. Yeah. Hale conducted it. All of us. We did it up in. Wow. Uh, in. Uh, we do? We did, I think we did a performance in the city too. Uh huh. Spectacular. It's great music. Oh. oh, it's 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 like a little hidden gem. It's it's really stunning. One last one. Pajama game. This is a time of your life that fascinated me because you went from singing legit, then New York City Opera. Yeah. And thought this I would be a good a opera. Really beautiful a production of uh, of uh, Mary Widow out of Paper Mill. Mm-hmm. They did do the next. At uh, at uh, City Opera, but then I was told uh, that I would not be repeating my role as Hannah Glavari. I would because if we if they were doing it ten blocks south of us of the theater, I yes, could do it. Of course, they let me do it there, which was too bad. Yeah, the pajama game was fun. It just it was always hard doing musical comedy on that stage. Yeah, because yeah. the sound in that theater was so uh, soft. Not built for that. And they would always make the sets so that we were way upstage when I went into um, went into uh, uh, Brigadoon yeah. they had staged that so that all of those what had been in one 
uh, curtain scenes, you know, while they were changing the sets, which mm-hmm. really became these big scenes way upstage. And they didn't, of course, didn't want to use mics because it was an opera house. It was an opera company. Really hard. Ooh. Really hard. Wild. Just, and also wild that you went from singing in like the span of a couple of years doing Babe was Babe, and then correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't uh, your Labo M near near this time too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll do anything for money, or and, actually probably not for money too. But it's but especially I will I will attempt to sing. Anything. Well, there's a lesson there for young people because I find that a lot of young people in our business want to. I'm just a pop singer, or I'm just a musical theater, and 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 you are a living lesson of you can do everything. Yeah, yeah, you know, business also. It, this is the true. Business is going to paint you into a corner and make you. You know, I've had a wonderful, wonderful career. I've loved every second of it. Do I have any regrets? Uh, minimal. I have no right to have them because, frankly, uh, I've gotten to do just pretty much everything I've wanted to do. But if in my druthers, you asked me if there were roles yeah. that I wanted to do that I couldn't do well because uh, you, you're, you are painted into a corner. You are, if you're a pop singer, you're a pop singer. And, and it was hard for people to wrap their brains around it. You know, Beverly Sills had a hard time wrapping right. her brain around the fact that I would sing legit and not. But look at, you know, Kristen Chenoweth. Totally. I mean, that, that's, that's, Audra. That yeah. Is, that's yeah. what they do. You totally. do it healthfully. That's you right. know it's not going to sound like maybe Lady Gaga, but listen right. to Lady Gaga when she, you know, plants her feet and sings out. It's, those are, those are musical choices. They're stylistic choices. There's either good music or bad music. You, it either works or it doesn't. Yeah. And whatever it is, you do it fully and you, you find the style that's appropriate and you, you do it, you know, and you tell the story. Yeah. Thank you, Drew. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I hope you'll join us again in okay. the future. We'd love to have you back. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this was Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And today we were talking to the fantastic Judy Kay, who will do anything for money. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. <laughs> and on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. Till next time, take care. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.